Lord, as, as we look into the scriptures, Lord, I pray that we would um, see ourselves, God, that we would see things that we can work on, God, that we will see graces, uh, a place where we can let grace work on us, things that we can submit and give over to you. God, I pray that you would bless our time together, bless your people this morning. I thank you for it in Christ's name we pray, amen. So Jesus says here, you, uh, he was speaking to a group of um, guys, he said, if you guys are evil, and you can give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your heavenly Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So why do we, at this church, why do we come forward and have a time where we ask for prayer? Well, this is part of it right here. Because Jesus tells us that if you ask God then he will give good things to you. He wants to give good things to you. Other scriptures also back up our practice of laying hands on the sick. Jesus said, to those who believe, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So if you've been coming here a couple times or if you've been here your whole life and you've always wondered, well, why do we call people forward for prayer? Because Jesus told us to. So my first point is this, God wants good for you. God wants good for you. God the Father wants good for you. I don't care what um, you have been told. I don't care what people have said about you. God wants good for you. God has good intentions toward you. I don't care what life experience tells you. God wants good for you. I believe it was C.S. Lewis. It was either C.S. Lewis or Martin Luther. Very different men. But uh, <laughs> one of them said... Um, if all we have to go off is the experience of life, then we cannot truly say God is good. But that's not all that we have to go off. We have a faith. Because sometimes life is hard. We sang about it. If in this life, if, if, if this life brings suffering, and if I ask for a show of hands of people who have suffered, everybody in here would raise their hand. Because we've all been through hard things. But just because we go through hard things does not mean that God doesn't want good for us. And God doesn't will good for us. And God does not have good intentions towards us. Uh, in Romans, Paul tells us that all things work together for good. Not all things are good. Everything that has happened to you has not been good. Everything that's been done to you has not been good. But God, if we submit that to him, those hurts, those pains, that suffering to him, God will somehow, through, his, through, through the work on the cross and the work that Jesus did, and through the mystery of God, he can turn that for our good. And so when we say God is good, it's not always because life is good. It's because we have an expectancy that God will make all things right one day, whether it's in this life or the next, God will make all things right. So God is good and God wants good for you. That's my first point. Jesus tells us God wants good for you. God has good intentions for you. God loves and cares about you. God wants what's best for you. You will not get everything you ever pray for. Despite what Jesus said there, that if you ask your father for gifts, he will give you good gifts. Every prayer you ever pray will not be answered. I'm sorry, but they just won't. But we still have to trust God. Do you remember Jesus in the garden? Well, you can say, well, that's not fair. Well, 
you can think that it's not fair, but Jesus didn't get every prayer answered. Jesus said in the garden of Gethsemane, Father, if there's another way, take this cup from me. I don't know if I can bear it. But then he followed it with this. And this is the most important prayer. Not my will, but thine. So we ask God for things, yes. We ask him to deliver us from things, yes. But then we must have that attitude that Christ had in the garden. Not my will, but thine. Because sometimes some of the prayers we pray are selfish prayers. I love Lamborghinis and Ferraris and Bentleys. And if I pray for one, that prayer's not going to be answered. <laughs> I'm not saying I've never prayed for one. I'm not saying I never have. But it has not yet been answered. Every prayer you ever pray will not be answered. But that does not mean that God does not have the best for you. That God does not want the best for you. Amen? All right, so... So there's something else that is tied to our prayer in asking God things. So my first point is that God, your Father, wants what is good for you. He has a purpose for your life. God has purpose for you. I don't care who has told you that you were a mistake or that you were an accident or that you will never amount to anything that is rubbish, that is not true. God has purpose for you. God has a purpose for you. You aren't an accident. You aren't here by mistake. You aren't invisible. You have purpose and you have worth. You are a child of God. So that's my first point. If, if you don't hear anything else I say today, hear that. Hear that. Uh, so in, in, in keeping with praying, Jesus gives us some more instruction in Mark 11, 24 through 25. And it says this, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive, your, may forgive you your sins. I'm glad I didn't write that. Because I would be uncomfortable right now if those were my words. But those aren't my words. When you stand to pray, you should not just have yourself on your mind. You should have other people on your mind who have wronged you, who have done evil to you, who you don't want to forgive. When you stand to pray, we should not just be thinking about ourselves. When we pray, we are to examine our hearts and see who we're mad at. <laughs> it's crazy. It's simple. I mean, it, I mean, it sounds simple, but it's hard to do, right? Yeah, but you don't know what they've done to me. And you're right. I don't know what people have done to you. I believe that, it, that in a room with even this many people, that there are people in here with deep wounds, Deep wounds, wounds that you're embarrassed about, wounds you don't want to talk about, things people have done to you that you don't want to mention, you don't want anybody else to know. I believe that. But I also believe there's a way to make peace with that. 
And that's through forgiveness. When you stand to pray, Jesus said, when you pray and ask the Father, he will give you what you ask if you believe. But tied to that is forgiveness. Tied to praying. When you come up for prayer and you come up mad at the world or hating people or if you spend all Saturday night on Facebook or Twitter arguing with people, hating on people, posting hateful, mean things, but yet, oh, Lord, <laughs> help me, Lord. Lord, you know I need this and I need that. But you've been hating on people or you're holding grudges against people or you won't forgive people. Your prayers aren't going very far. Again, not my words. The words of Christ. If we want to be forgiven, we have to forgive. And that's tough. That's tough because I think we all want to be forgiven. Right? I want to be forgiven. Lord knows I've messed up. Ask people in here that know me. They could give you a list of my uh, faults and sins and probably alphabetize them and categorize them for you. We've all sinned. We all need forgiveness. Me, I'm, I'm at the top of the list. Paul said he was the chief of sinners. Well, he, I hadn't been born yet. We all need forgiveness. But we all got to forgive. It's a forgotten practice of Christianity. It is a forgotten, pushed aside, belittled practice of Christianity that we have to live a life that is forgiving. Because we hold grudges, don't we? Oh, we say things like, oh, they're dead to me. Or they made a mistake when they crossed me. Or they better hope they don't run into me. But Lord, I need this. Jesus laid it out pretty clear here about forgiveness. That if you want to come to God and ask for things, you can. You're welcome to. But you've got to make it right with your brother first. You got to make it right with others first, who you have unforgiveness towards. <clears throat> I think a lot of us know, many of us know people who do not mature in their Christian life. They do not, they don't ever seem to come to a place of maturity. They always seem to have the same vitriol and hatred and, and they can't ever get past Certain things, and, it's, and this is why, because they refuse to forgive. Now, I am not saying, please do not mishear me, that forgiveness is an easy road. Narrow is the way, and few there be that find it. And what was Jesus talking about when he said that? We love to, we love to talk about that and say, narrow is, the, narrow is the way, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. He had just given us the golden rule right before that. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And then he says, but narrow was out. Is, is that way, and few there be that find it. There are few that actually live this out. There are few that actually practice this life of love and forgiveness. Because it's easy to be like everybody else and be hateful, and, and when somebody does something to you, you return evil for evil. It's easy. That's an easy walk. That's a broad way, but that way leads to destruction. But the narrow road leads to life, and the narrow road is the, the, the road of forgiveness, the road of love, the, lo the road of doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. 
We quote scriptures and we misuse scriptures and we take them out of context. What if the narrow road is the road of forgiveness and love? What if Jesus meant what he said? Okay, so we need to forgive others. So just do a little introspection this morning. I don't even know if that's a real word. I may have just made it up. Pretend it is. Don't look it up and confront me after the service. It's Father's Day after all. (laughs) Who are you mad at? Who are you upset with? Who has done you wrong? And please do not mishear me. I'm not telling anyone to stay in an abusive relationship. And I know that people have used scriptures like this to counsel people to stay with abusive spouses. I know that that has happened. I am not telling you that. I'm not telling you to stay and to put up with abuse. But I am telling you to forgive. I am telling you to forgive because the person or the people who have mistreated you, they have held that over you for long enough. Let it go. When you hate someone, you you imprison someone. And not the person you hate, you have imprisoned yourself. Let that go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. I don't know the rest. Or you'd be getting it. Matthew 6, 14, Jesus reemphasizes this. I want to read that to you. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father, there's the word again, Father, will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, then... If you do not forgive others your sins, I mean, look at this. This is astounding. Your father will not forgive your sins. Even when you have a right to be mad, even when you're justified, forgive. When you choose to forgive someone, you unlock freedom for yourself. Sometimes forgiveness is just a choice, and it takes the rest of you a lifetime to catch up with it. But forgiveness is a choice. You choose to forgive. You mentally choose to forgive. And it's not saying that all the emotional hurt and all the emotional pain that was caused to you will just disappear. But if you choose to forgive, I believe that starts the healing process. Amen. Amen. So Jesus calls us in these passages to forgive others. And that is very important. It's important to our own forgiveness to forgive others. But I want to, so that's my second point is forgive. My first point was um, that God has good intentions for you. My second point is forgive. You need to forgive others. My third point kind of ties to my first, second point, though, that you must forgive yourself. Because there are a lot of people, and there are many people, even in this room, who have not forgiven themselves for things they have done. Who have not forgiven themselves for mistakes they've made. And we need to forgive ourselves. The second, they asked Jesus about what are the greatest commandments. He said, love God. But then he said, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, if you don't love yourself, then you can't love your neighbor very well either. Because if all you do is speak hate speech to yourself in your own head, and there's sometimes that I have to catch myself doing that. 
I start calling myself a moron, a nincompoop. <laughs> Maybe you speak a little harsher words than that to yourself. I don't know. I, I used to get my mouth washed out with soap when I would say things. So I'd, I'd, even in my head, I tend not to say them <laughs> because I know they're always <laughs> watching. They're always close. But maybe you speak poorly to yourself, and so that's why you speak poorly to other people. Maybe you won't forgive yourself, so that's why you hold grudges against other people. Maybe what you need to do is open yourself up to the mercy and grace of God and forgive yourself for those things that you did wrong, even when you knew it was wrong. Now, we all make mistakes sometimes unknowingly and unwittingly, but a lot of us and most of us and chief of sinners have knowingly done things that were wrong. And we have to forgive ourselves of those things. We cannot hold those things against ourselves because what we do then is, is we limit what God can do in, in us and through us, not because he's limited, but because we limit ourselves. We think we put restriction on our, ourselves. Well, man says if you've done this, then you can't, you can't be elevated in this area. Man says if you've done this, then you must be put away. Uh, churches have said if you have done this sin, well, then there's no forgiveness and you can no longer be in leadership or you can no longer do this or you can no longer do that. Some of us need to forgive ourselves. And that's my challenge to you this morning, to forgive yourself. Because in doing that, you will find it's easier to forgive others. Don't talk poorly to yourself. You are a child of God. We sang about it this morning. Don't talk to yourself in a way that you wouldn't talk to somebody else. If you spend all your, every time you make a mistake, you're self-hating, that's bad. <laughs> That's very simple. That's bad. What the preacher said this morning, oh, he said something was bad. Do not hold grudges against yourself. Yes, hold yourself accountable. Be accountable for your actions. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying go rob a bank on your way home and say, well, <laughs> I forgive myself. I'm just doing the will of the Lord, forgiving myself. No, that's not what I'm saying. But we've all made mistakes, and you have made mistakes. Forgive yourself. Let it go. The most important decisions that you, that you will ever make have not been made yet. What, is, what matters is what you do going forward. The past Paul tells us that in Christ we are new creation. We are new creatures. So forgive yourself. This is hard for many of us. Many of us have a really hard time with this. Many of us have a hard time forgiving ourselves. We won't let it go. And, 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 and for some of us it's because other people keep throwing it up in our face. Remember when the rooster crowed and Peter realized his sin? I read not too long ago that there were people who used to heckle Peter when he was preaching. And they'd cock-a-doodle-doo while he was preaching to remind him of his sin. Sometimes there's people that will remind you, that will throw it up in your face. 
you'll get to a point, oh, I finally moved past that, I think. And then, cock-a-doodle-doo. Remember what you did. You're a bad, filthy sinner. Sometimes people will do that. But forgive yourself, forgive them, and move on. Some of us, it's a struggle to forgive ourselves. Some of us have a pretty easy time forgiving ourselves. Like, oh, I did the best I could. Yeah. We move on. That tends to be me. <laughs> Just kidding. But some people have an unhealthy disdain for themselves, and, and God has not called us to that. God has not called us to that. We are, we, are, we are priests and kings in the kingdom of God, and if you are a child of God, and you are, don't have such a low esteem, don't have such a low value of God's creation. God created you. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said it's hard to love others when you don't love yourself. And I'm not trying to be Tony Robbins this morning and give you some, you know, you can do it uh, message. and Just believe in yourself. But there's... But in those types of messages, there is a measure of truth that we have to accept the fact that we are forgiven and that our past does not define us. What we have done is not, does not define who we are. We are not our past. We are who Christ says we are. Amen. Amen. So do we get that? Forgive others and forgive yourself. Um, the next passage of scripture where Christ talks about his heavenly father is Matthew 7 21 and it says this not everyone who says to me Lord Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven not everyone who claims to be a believer not everyone who calls Jesus who says Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven now the kingdom of heaven here is not just talking about the sweet by and by. The kingdom of heaven is talking about the kingdom that Jesus came to establish. John the Baptist said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus came and established a new way of life. He established the kingdom of God. And not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, is a follower of this way that Jesus brought, this way that Jesus taught us, this way, that, this way of the kingdom of God. Jesus lived his life in the way of the kingdom of God. And then we are to follow in his footsteps. John tells us that we, if we are his followers, then we should live as he lived. And we say that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he has called us to walk in that way. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, is a follower of the way of the kingdom of God. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, is a partaker of this way of the kingdom of God. But he said, only those who do the will of my Father. What is the will of the Father? It's a big question. The Bible's a big book. Jesus sums up the law, though, for us in two verses. He says, love God and love your neighbor. What is the will of the Lord? 
what is the summary of all of the law. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, thy mind, thy strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew 23, Jesus tells it to us in a little different way. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Jesus wasn't always real nice to religious people. Jesus was nice to what, we, what, what the, the people of his day called sinners. He was real nice to them. He would go to their house and eat dinner. But when it came to the religious people, when it came to the teachers of the law, when it came to the preachers, he wasn't real kind to them. He said, you hypocrites, you give a tenth of your spices, your mint, your dill, and your cumin. I don't know, I've never known, is that cumin or cumin? I'm not a big fan of it anyway. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law. And then he tells them what it is. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Hosea 6, 6 says this, For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. More than God wants sacrifice, more than he wants burnt offerings, he wants mercy from his people. He wants justice from his people. We are to be people who give mercy and seek justice. <clears throat> we are to seek to live lives that treat everyone justly. We need to fight for injustices when we see them and not turn a blind eye to them. Last week on this platform, we heard about the, uh, the practice of redlining. That needs to end. We need to seek justice. In our own city, we heard testimony of a man who said that he can't call and rent a house. He has to call, have his wife do it because he is a black man. That's injustice. And we need to seek to end that. Not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, is doing the will of the Father. And not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, is, is going to the kingdom of heaven. But only those who do the will of the Father. What is the will of the Father? Jesus summed it up for us and then talked to us about it. It is to uh, bring mercy and to seek justice. The Pharisees were so caught up in outward appearances, but they could not care less about the people they were serving. They didn't care about them. They would stand and pray and say things like, Lord, I thank you that you have not made me as this woman or as this tax collector. I thank you, Lord, that I'm not like these other people. Those were your religious leaders of the day. And guess what? There's plenty of them around today. There's plenty of them around today praying similar prayers. Lord, I thank you that I have this particular political belief, or I thank you that I'm not like those dirty scoundrels, or I thank you that not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, is on the glory train. Not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, is on the way to heaven. All right. Did we get it? He desires mercy, not sacrifice. In the book of Amos, 
God gets so angry with his people, he, said, he says, I cannot stand your assemblies. I cannot stand when you play music. It, it, it drives me crazy. I hate it. Because they were praising God with their hands. Ah, Lord, I lift your name on high. They were praising God with their mouths and with their hands, but they were not seeking justice and mercy for those who needed it. And God said, that is detestable to me. Don't take my word for it. Read it. Go home and read Amos 5. There is a way of doing church that is not pleasing to the Lord. (laughs) There is. Read Amos 5. There's a way of gathering together and singing and praising that God doesn't, he's not interested in. There's also a way of doing church that the devil's comfortable. I, I preached about that a while ago, about when Jesus came in and he started preaching and it said there, there was someone in the synagogue, the devil started coming out of him and he said to Jesus, why are you interfering with us? Because there's a way to do in church that plays right into the devil's hand. Lord, let this not be a church that does that. All right, seek justice, love mercy. All right, it's 11.19. We need to get to the... I need to, I need to start looking for the caboose to put on this thing. We must not just be concerned for ourselves and for our kind. We can't be so insecure and and insensitive about ourselves that every time somebody brings, any time an injustice is brought up, we say, well, what about us? What about me? Jesus himself took political stances. And guess what? They don't, Jesus, the stances of Jesus don't line up with either one of the American political parties. They don't. I mean, you, can take, you might be able to cherry pick one thing that one does and then one thing that the other one does and say, well, that might be something Jesus would support and this would be something Jesus would support. But my hope is not in a political party. My hope is in Jesus Christ. My hope is in Jesus. Yeah, there is a redeemer. There is somebody that God raised up. People, you hear people say, well, God raised up a man. And, and yeah, he did. It was Jesus Christ. And he's the only one. My hope is not in a man or a woman politician. My hope is in Jesus. My hope is in Jesus. Um, Matthew 15, 13 through 20. Every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Every plant that my father has not planted, will be pulled up by the roots. We're seeing this happen. There's a lot of pressure being put on churches right now. There is. There's a lot of pressure on churches. A lot of pressure on people, a lot of pressure on... I mean, first we had, um, first we had the, the pandemic, then we had civil unrest, and there's just a lot of pressure. And pressure is a revealer. Pressure, you put pressure on something and it reveals what's really inside. But pressure on, on, a, on, a, on, on a grape, and it produces, it shows you what's inside, right? Put pressure on an orange, you get orange juice, right? But you put pressure on something, and it reveals 
what's inside. And a lot of us are revealing our true character. A lot of us are revealing our true selves. A lot of churches are revealing their true selves. A lot of politicians, a lot of everybody, a lot of mayors, governors, whatever you can think of. When pressure is applied, who you are is revealed. And Christ says not everything that his father has planted will be uprooted. There's an end coming to everything. There's an end. I mean, we... I, I hear people say all the time, well, look at, the, look at Europe now. It has changed so much. Everything is changing. Everything is going to change. The United States as we know it, I mean, if we really believe the end of the book, if we really believe the end of the Bible, everything's going to change. And nothing's going to last forever but one thing, and that's Jesus Christ. And that's Jesus Christ. That's why I am not afraid of... I'm just not afraid of all these things. If they come in here and drag us out and put us in jail, like I said before, then we'll write letters like Paul did when he was in jail. What is happening right now? And people get so upset and afraid and, well, this must be the end. Well, what did the first century Christians think when they were dragged from their homes and murdered for their faith? Well, it could happen here. Yeah, it could happen here. But I'm not going to worry about that. My, my hope and my trust and my faith is in Jesus. It's not in, uh, I don't even know what's a kind of rifle. I don't even know. I had a 12-gauge. My uncle got me a 12-gauge when I turned 12. <laughs> I almost shot my eye out. <laughs> it was almost like Ralphie. <laughs> it was almost pretty bad. <laughs> he lived on a farm, and I'd go out to visit him, and he'd be like, oh, yeah, go on out there. and Shooting pop cans on a ice-covered pond, and at 12-gauge, I guess they ricochet sometimes. And anyway, what was I carrying on about? Oh, my faith, and I do remember one time we were having a watch night service at our house, and somebody came and busted out our window, and I went and grabbed that 12-gauge out of the closet. <laughs> it wasn't loaded. What was I going to do? Murder someone for busting out my window? At a church service? <laughs> my, my hope is not in my 12-gauge that I sold at a garage sale. Probably, that's probably illegal. I probably shouldn't even <laughs> be telling that story. But my hope wasn't in that. I mean, I, I tried putting my hope in that. It, I did for a little while. That's a false hope. There's a, false, there's a false narrative going around that you've got to protect yourself, that you've got to, you know, and that's fine. You can do that, but don't tie it to Jesus. Because when they came for Jesus, what did he do? He said, my kingdom's not of this world or my people would be fighting, but they're not because that's not what we do in the kingdom of God. Because he said, my kingdom's not of this world, so my followers aren't fighting. So if all you want to do is punch somebody or kick somebody, what kingdom do you belong to? I don't think it's the one that's lined, given to us in the New Testament. All right. Not everything, or everything that has not been planted by the Father in heaven will be uprooted. 
And there's one branch that's been planted by the Father in heaven. It's the seed of David. It's the root of Jesse. It's Jesus. That's the only thing that will not eventually topple someday. So don't put all your hope and all your dreams in anything else. Amen. Because there's only one plant that's been planted that will never be uprooted, and that's Jesus. All right, I want to read the rest of the scripture. I just think it's fascinating. Um, Leave them. They are blind guides. He's talking about the Pharisees. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, explain this parable to us. Are you still so dull? Jesus asked them. Again, Jesus' bed manner was not always the best. Uh, Don't you see that whatever enters into the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body, depending on where it was purchased, it can... Go quicker or faster, Taco Bell. Uh, But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. All the moms are really mad at me that I just said that last part. In this particular environment, I would suggest washing your hands before you eat. But Jesus and his disciples were getting in trouble because they were washing their hands. Uh, or, they, or his disciples didn't wash their hands and they just ate. What comes out of you is what defiles you. I talked a little bit before about there's pressure on all of us right now and what's coming out of us might just defile us. What's coming out of us? Murder, murderous words, slander, lies, false testimony, theft, immorality. Those are the things that defile a person, not what you eat or... All right. I do believe that there are many, like I said, many, and I don't take pleasure in this, but I, I, I do think that there are, this is, it's a revealer. Many churches are being exposed right now. People are being exposed. And so the pressure is on us. And what are we? What are you? What, are, what am I? What are we? What's going to come out of us? What's going to come out of us when the pressure is put on us? And I love... Uh, um, this explanation of, of Moses and the rock, that the rock is, is a picture of Christ and that God told Moses to speak to the rock and that water would come out. But Moses struck the rock because he was mad and water came out anyway. And I've heard it explained that we are to be like that rock, that whether people speak to us or whether they strike us, the water and the love of Christ should come out of us. What comes, what's coming out of you right now when this pressure is put on? It needs to be the love of Christ. It needs to be the life of Christ. It needs to be the way of Christ. Okay, this, is, this message is so many directions. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. That way you know I'm almost done. Jesus talks, about, Jesus talks about the Father 
in all of those scriptures that I read to you so far. Jesus talked about God our Father. Jesus mentioned the Father many, many times. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. That's why we say that Jesus is the full revelation of Christ. Jesus is Christ revealed. What does God look like? We know that he looks like Jesus. I want to read you one last scripture. Well, there's actually, I shouldn't have said that. I want to read you probably my favorite scripture where Jesus says, mentions the Father. This is found in Luke 23 through 34, or 23, 34. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Jesus speaking directly to the Father. Jesus looked out at our humanity. He looked out and he saw the murder in their hearts. They were murdering him. He looked and he saw their hatred. He saw their lies. He saw our lies. He saw our deception. He saw our diseased way of thinking. He saw all of our sin. He not only saw our sin, but he was experiencing the wages of that sin himself. Paul tells us that the wages of sin is death. And in Jesus Christ on the cross, we see him experiencing the wages of sin. He was taking on himself. He took it for our benefit. Prophet Isaiah tells us that he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. But Jesus looked out and he saw humanity. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them, for they don't know what they do. But you know... I think sometimes when we think about Jesus and the Father, we think about them as two separate entities. We think about the Father as, as the, the God of the Old Testament who has a temper and who could get mad. And, and, and Jesus as the, as the one who's like trying to settle him down and saying, okay, Dad, you know, don't get so upset. And I think sometimes we think about God the Father that way. That's a flawed way of thinking. Because in John 8, 28, Jesus says, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, and that's Jesus on the cross, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. And when Jesus is lifted up on the cross, he looks out and sees our humanity. He sees your sin. He sees my sin. And what he says that he hears from the Father, that he's taught from the Father, is Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. So I'm telling you this morning, I talked to you about forgiving other people. I talked to you about forgiving yourself. I'm telling you this morning, there is a Father in heaven that wants to forgive you, that wants to wash you, that wants to cleanse you, that wants to make you right, that wants to heal you, that wants to set you free from all your unrighteousness, that wants to set you free from your guilt, free from your shame, who wants to lift those burdens off of your shoulders. That we have a Father in heaven who loves us so much John 3.16, you all know it and could say it with me. For God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but would live life everlasting. Would get this life everlasting. So we're gonna, the band's going to sing and we're going to bow our heads. And if you're in here this morning and you just say, 
Man, I know I need forgiveness. I know I need forgiveness of my sins. I know I need Jesus to forgive me. I know I need the the forgiveness that the Father extends to me. I'm not going to call you up front. I'm not going to embarrass you. But with, would you just lift your hand and say, that's me. I'd like to add you to my prayer list. I'd like to pray for you this morning if that's you. Yeah. I see your hands. Thank you. I see your hands. Thank you. Jesus says in John 5, 21, for just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he pleases to give it. And that's you. He pleases to give you life. Lord, I pray that you would just touch those this morning who have raised their hands. God, I pray that you would give them life. God, that they would receive your forgiveness. They would ask you in their own way to forgive them and to cleanse them of their sin. God, I pray that you would go to them. Lord, I know that you are faithful and just, that we have an advocate with the Father who is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Lord, I pray that you would do that work this morning. God, let them feel your arms wrapped around them this morning. Let them see your hand in their life. Let them know that you have good intentions for them. God, I pray that you would be with all of us this morning. God, let us know that you have good intentions for us. God, help us to understand that, 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 that you want what is best for us, that you have a plan for our life, that you have a purpose for our life. God, help us to forgive. Help us to be people who, who live forgiving lives. Help us to forgive those who have hurt us, those who have harmed us, those who have sinned against us. God, help us to forgive ourselves. God, help us to forgive ourselves of our mistakes and of our failures. God, I pray that we would forgive ourselves of all the evil that we have done. God, I pray that you would just forgive us. God, as we forgive others and as we forgive ourselves, God, would you forgive us? Would you forgive us of our sins? Would you forgive us of everything that we have done, God? God, we turn our lives over to you. We walk, we we commit to walk in your paths. We commit to walk in the kingdom of God. God, we don't want to be those people who just say, Lord, Lord. And, and, and who give you lip service. But God, we want to be followers of the way. We want to be followers of the kingdom of God. I thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's, as we sing, let's just spend some more time in prayer and reflection. Jesus.